0: To get your free audio gift, the three pillars of achieving your perfect weight using the Mind-Body Connection, go to freefitnessaudio.com and enter your first name and email address and we'll send that to you right away.
1: Welcome to Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast, episode 37. This is Wes and I am just introducing the show today. I'm actually not in this one. Kevin has an interview with a man that you'll find very interesting in his perspective on health and nutrition. It was actually a pretty long interview because the guest had a lot to talk about, a lot of very important things to talk about. So what I've done is split it up into two parts, and this is the first part. Next week we'll be having the second part, and both Kevin and I will be on to do some post-show analysis for you. We can compare our notes and so forth. So enjoy the show.
0: All right. Well, today I have a really special guest that I'm really excited about uh, chatting with here, Dr. James Carlson. And Dr. Jim obtained his Bachelor of Science degree in Biochemistry and Cellular Physiology from Cornell University before receiving his medical degree from the New York College of Osteopathic Medicine. He was chief resident at Delaware Valley Medical Center and later obtained a Master's of Business with an emphasis on healthcare economics and physician practice from Regis University in Denver, Colorado. He holds a Juris Doctorate with an emphasis in healthcare law from Concord University School of Law and is currently in a private medical practice in Port Jefferson Station, New York. He is also the author of the book, Genocide, How Your Doctor's Dietary Ignorance Will Kill You which can be found on his website, and that's at www.drjamescarlson.com, and that's drjamescarlson.com. Dr. Jim, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, you've got quite the background. It's uh, pretty versatile there. I'm sure it's helped you quite a bit in your practice.
2: You know, it has. I mean, uh, you you see the degrees from, uh, you know, uh, biochemistry, molecular cellular biology, which uh, really lays the foundation for, you know, I guess what we're going to be discussing today, which is uh, the correct way to eat.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. So you seem to have a lot of interest. How did you kind of zero in on going into medicine
2: you know, it's interesting, uh, in my undergraduate days, uh, I just loved uh, biology. I loved chemistry, which led me into the biochemistry concentration. And after I graduated from Cornell, I really wasn't too sure what I was going to do. It's actually kind of funny. I took a year off because I was very interested in quantum physics and uh, astrophysics, and I was taking a lot of mathematical courses. And I guess I got bit by the you know physiology biochemical bug again. You know, I took the entrance test called the MCAT for medical school, got accepted, and uh, that laid basically groundwork for me obtaining my Doctor of Osteopathic uh, Medicine degree. And it's interesting because all that time, I always maintained a, a firm interest in biochemistry. And, you know, when I graduated from medical school, you know, you go into your residency, you learn what you learn, and I have to say that there's really very little emphasis on proper nutritional biochemistry, you know, the proper dietary style or the way we should be eating as people. And it's interesting to know that about, now it would be about 12 years ago, actually no, it would be more like 15 years ago, I turned around and found myself 70 pounds heavier. And I placed myself, as I had preached to tens of thousands of patients prior, I placed myself on the traditional low-fat, low-cholesterol diet to try to lose weight, you know, help my blood pressure and all that. And I must say my HDL or good cholesterol was in the toilet. My blood pressure was sky high, and obviously I was overweight. I put myself in a low-fat, low-cholesterol eating style, and I gained weight. Pressure went higher. HDL went lower. And, of course, I wound up on medications. It's fascinating because it wasn't until I turned around and read a book written by Michael and Mary Eads called Protein Power that I started understanding the correct way to eat, which is not what is being told to the vast majority of people out there. And we all adhere to this low-fat, low-cholesterol dictum, and that's just wrong. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of incorrect dietary beliefs out there, and beliefs can be right or wrong. The facts just right. are and you know where i think from my understanding have done low carbs for 12 years now uh haven't shed 70 pounds haven't come off blood pressure cholesterol medication now fully understanding the foundational nutritional biochemistry behind the correct way to eat haven't seen now you know thousands of patients do phenomenally well out there on the lower carb approach and not using low fat low cholesterol it's amazing And I'm not the only doctor out there who understands the correct way to eat. I know your website, you know, basically is a low-carb forum. Yeah, that's right. So so you guys promote the same message I'm promoting. And it's interesting because more laypersons, more non-medical individuals understand the correct way to eat than doctors.
0: Yeah, and didn't you say your book was written so even the doctor could understand it?
2: Right, right. My comment uh, that I make, and it's somewhat, I mean, it sounds a little sarcastic, a little arrogant, obnoxious when I say this, but my book, Genocide, How Your Doctor's Dietary Ignorance Will Kill You, is written on such a simple and basic level that even a doctor can understand it. And the physicians who've read my book, personal friends and whatnot, when I make that statement to them... They look at me, and they don't think it's an arrogant statement. They say, you're right, Jim. You know, this book is basically reteaching us the way we should have been taught in medical yeah. school. And that's what my book is. It's not, it's not a how-to book. There's a lot of how-to books out there, you know, what to eat you know, exactly, you know, what's low-carb and all that jazz. It's a why book. It's a why eating fat and cholesterol is safe, why eating protein is safe, and it's why the carbohydrate is dangerous in its many shapes and forms. I call carbohydrates wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. We, we worship whole grains and multigrains, seven grains and whole wheat pasta, brown rice. We stay away from the white stuff. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you, and this is directed toward the physicians and the medical organizations, that the sugar and the brown stuff is the same darn molecule in the white stuff. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that there is no such thing as a natural sugar. You hear it all the time. Well, it's uh, you know whole grains, so it's a natural sugar. Really? Right. Well, what does that mean? Do you tell me the glucose molecule is somehow different or treated differently when it comes from whole grains than the glucose molecule in white stuff, white pasta? Are you kidding me? Glucose right. is glucose is glucose. When it gets to the level of the cell and enters the cell... Unbeknownst to most physicians, that glucose molecule is the starting point for cholesterol and triglyceride or fat biosynthesis. It starts with glucose. Yeah. for any people out there who may be dietitians listening to this or physicians, you might remember glycolysis. At the end of this thing called glycolysis, you make this thing called pyruvate. I don't want to get too technical or anything, but this is the starting point for cholesterol biosynthesis. We have never been taught that in medical school and we have to learn it for ourselves. And it's scary. I mean it's really, yeah. really scary. You know, um, I pick on the major organizations that continue to promulgate the incorrect dietary guidelines, and they are. And my comment to my patients, which I always get laughs from, I say to them, if you want heart disease, follow the recommendations of the American Heart Association. Yeah. Uh, if you want diabetes, follow the guidelines of the American Diabetic Association. And if you want cancer, follow what the American Cancer Society has to say. And yeah. you know what the common denominator is. It's low fat, low cholesterol. Right. That's what yeah, low-fat, low-fat, low-cholesterol equates with uh, increased consumption of carbohydrates. And yeah. it's just so scary, these major organizations putting out these guidelines, these pamphlets. They're voluminous. They're all over the place. I have a box of, like, the food not to eat. and It's hysterical because I come in with this teaching box, as I call it, for my patients. And I have in there, like, oatmeal and Cheerios and grape nuts and all these things. And I, I pull these things out. And you've got to see the eyes widen on people. I go, what? I, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Yeah. Then when yeah. I go through the side packaging label and show them, look, you look at total carbohydrates per serving, not the sugar. Because yeah. let's use, uh, if I can remember correctly, um, Cheerios has 20 grams of carbs per serving, 3 grams of fiber brings it to 17 grams per serving, right? And then if you continue down on the side packaging label, it has a gram of sugar. Now, most dietitians and doctors will tell you, just look at the gram of sugar amount. Don't, you know, look at anything else. That's wrong. If you do that, you just miss 16 grams of sugar. Because we're taught this, carbohydrates are broken down into what? Sugar. You know, they need to be accounted for. And it's just amazing. And, you know, it's funny because, as we mentioned earlier, my undergraduate major was in biochemistry. But, you know, the way we learned it was very segmented, Kevin. We didn't yeah. learn that, or weren't taught, that cholesterol and triglyceride or fat synthesis starts with glucose. We learned certain pathways, then we go off on another pathway for cholesterol biosynthesis and another pathway for triglycerides. We don't get that integrative approach, and that's where we're steering wrong.
0: You do, know, that, do you think that the nature of medical school needs to be altered then? It seems that, uh, yeah, everything's being taught the wrong way.
2: It's a major paradigm shift major, the practice of medicine for me has literally become so easy over the last, you know, 12 years or so that I've been doing low carbs or implementing low carbs in my practice because, you know, you come with high blood pressure, you know, you're type 2 diabetic, uh, you're overweight, many skin uh, problems, eczema, psoriasis, you know, asthma, allergies, high triglycerides, the fats in the blood, low HDLs. Uh, you come in with those medical problems, uh, reflux esophagitis, commonly called heartburn. Once I start you on low carbs, these things magically vanish. And you know what? I don't need to use medications like the vast majority of my colleagues. I just don't. because yeah. That's why sugar is so evil. You know, carbs are evil, you know. You're going to have to have a major paradigm shift. And the funny thing is, it wouldn't be, you'd have like maybe one course for one semester in medical school. Or maybe even if you taught like a little bit over the year, you know, it would make a major change in the way diseases are treated because there'd be a lot of basically prevention and there'd be a lot of cures. Uh, Unbeknownst to a lot of people, type 2 diabetes, which is getting out of control, is completely treatable, curable, preventable through the proper dietary approach. And this is the major, major issue. Childhood obesity is spoken about all across the nation. The problem is that the medical societies that are attempting to fix these problems, they don't even know they don't know. They'll yeah. switch people to like whole grain pasta. Really? So the sugar molecule is going to be treated differently, right? And you can detect the sarcasm in my voice, but you know, we really need to, at the medical school level, have a major paradigm shift. Is it going to happen? You know when? I can guarantee you hundreds of years from now, Doctors are going to look back, hopefully it won't be that far in the future. Yeah. Doctors will look back and go, really? You guys thought low-fat, low-cholesterol was good for you? You know, and they're right. going to laugh at this. They're going to be like, are you cr-? I mean, let's look, for example, medicine's evolution. You know, surgeons were laughed at when they started washing their hands before surgery. You know, oh, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. Now, <laughs> I don't need to tell you about the sterile environment that we try to maintain in the operating suite, but things have changed. And the same yeah. thing's going to happen with the, you know, the way we're eating, I hope.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a matter of keep getting the word out and eventually it's just gonna be like a tidal wave that just people can't deny, like you said, the facts are the facts.
2: But you know what's scary, though? I mean, there's so many studies uh, out there. There's one study with the New England Journal of Medicine, I believe it was in Israel, where they studied low carbs versus Mediterranean versus low fat, low cholesterol. And low carbs won out. I mean, and it wasn't a low carb as far as I consider low carb. My low carb is 30 grams a day, and I make it easy, 10, 10, 10. Some people need a little less. Some people may need more. This study, the low carb study in this particular study, uh, was 120 grams or so. That, to me, is not low carbs. Yeah, but it's a lot lower
0: than what the typical American diet is.
2: 250 to 300.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: That's the current recommendation as per the food pyramid. 250 to 300 grams of carbohydrates a day. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: think of all that sugar. And try to deny, I mean, I would love to get an interview with, uh, say, Dr. Oz, who every day promulgates, just about every day promulgates the incorrect dietary information out there. He's still holding on tenaciously to the low-fat, low-cholesterol myth. Yeah. But when you're looking at the American Cancer, American Diabetes, American Heart, National Institutes of Health, National Heart, Lung, and Blood uh, Institute, of course, the Surgeon General, American Medical, American Osteopathic Association, Dr. Oz, you know, all of these people continually espouse the benefits of low-fat, low-cholesterol when, indeed, it's not true. And, you know, it's got to stop. And I can almost guarantee you, because I think Dr. Oz is a really smart guy, a brilliant man. He's suffering from the same ignorance that I suffered from when I came out of medical school. If I could take a physician, sit him down show them the information in the textbooks, and I've done this, and you see the Eureka bulb go off, and you know you probably just touched about you know, a couple of thousand lives. Yeah. I mean, imagine, maybe I'm being a little uh, utopia here, but imagine changing the way we teach nutrition in medical school. And imagine all of these thousands and thousands of doctors going out and telling people the correct way to eat. Imagine, you know, imagine a world without say, heart disease, unless, of course, it's congenital, without heart disease, without type 2 diabetes, without obesity for the most part. Right. You know? And we're looking at a new uh, whole health care system that they're attempting to overhaul. And you know, you always hear change, change, change. My comment is, like, you want change? Put me in charge. Yeah. You'll save trillions of dollars a year in health care costs because people right. just won't need the drugs.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how, how it comes down to that. Ooh. Now, how about as far as parenting goes, what are some effective ways for enlightened parents to deal with the resistant or kind of pretentious doctors that keep promoting this low-fat diet.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, when it comes to nutrition, pretentious doctors is like, you know, uh, a redundant statement. And (laughs) it's scary because, you know, it's hard to get through the training that physicians have. And let me just talk about me personally because I'll use self-deprecating, you know, stuff here because it's me. Um, You couldn't tell me that low-carbs, you know, were the way to go when I believed, notice the word, believed, that low fat, low cholesterol was the correct way to eat. It was indoctrinated into me growing up, undergraduate, in medical school, in my residencies, indoctrinated that low fat, low cholesterol is indeed the correct way to eat. Despite the fact that I would put patients on low fat, low cholesterol, couldn't get them off their medications, a lot of people did worse, I never even stepped back and said to myself, maybe they're eating the wrong way. Didn't understand. As a board-certified family physician now, okay, didn't understand. Well, obviously, I never thought about it. Why? I kept needing to increase medications or add medications and all that. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, that was when, uh, you know, I turned around. I was 70 pounds heavier, and I did the low-fat, low-cholesterol thing, and, you know, I took the weight off. But getting through to me back then, not going to happen. Didn't want to hear it. And I threw out fancy words that I was taught in medical school. You got to watch out for albuminuria, you know, uh, proteinuria, steaturia, steatosis, and I really didn't know what the heck I was talking about. I was just saying the words. And a lot of the myths about low-carb, more fat, more cholesterol, more protein, are just plain wrong. Now, you walk into the doctor's office as a low-carb, understanding the correct way to eat, and you try to change the attitude of the doctor or let's let's say attitude. That's deep. Let's just try to get this doctor to be open-minded. All right, open-minded. Let's get our foot in the door that way. And it's going to be very, very difficult. Here's a great example, Okay. Um, I had a patient come in to me, a new patient. His triglycerides were 800, which, by the way, is very high. Triglycerides should basically hover around 100. They're actually better if they're under 100. Triglycerides, again, are the fats in the blood. So he walks in with a very elevated triglyceride level, and I sit him down. I talk to him, you know, in a logical fashion. I explain the biochemistry to him, which, by the way, most people can understand, you know. And he looked at me, and he goes, are you kidding me? He goes, it makes absolutely perfect sense, Right goes to see his endocrinologist, who utterly laughs at him. He comes back and tells me, you know, he laughed at me, me, Dr. Jim, and he laughed at the patient. He goes, well, eh, that ain't going to work. It's not going to work, you know? He goes, do what you want. He goes, I got to warn you, though, you're going to have a heart attack, you're going to have a stroke, your pressure's going to go up, blah, blah, blah. All right. So three months later, we do blood work, and let's see, his triglycerides now without medication, and I also have to emphasize that the endocrinologist wanted to put him on medication, which I outright, you know, told him, do not take that medication. You don't need it, Okay. I forget what it was at the time. They like Zetia. They like uh, Lipitor and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, so I told him not to take it. Three months later, his triglycerides in like the 150, uh, 160 range. And goes back to the endocrinologist now with this blood work in his hand, okay? Mm-hmm. And the endocrinologist still refused to even entertain the idea that how he was eating was the correct way. Oh, <sighs> so the triglycerides lowered, but something else was going to happen. And, and they always say this too, the physicians. We don't know the long-term implications of staying on a low-carb regimen. And now yeah. I respond... Really, we don't, um, we do. The long-term implications of staying on low carb means less to no medication for you, a very healthy, long, prosperous life without you know the need to put money in the coffers of the uh, pharmaceutical CEOs.. All right. Right. That's what low carb living. that's what a low carb life has to offer.
0: Yeah, it's really amazing because I, when I first got into this, I had a little bit of a gut, and I just wanted to uh, figure out like how to get rid of that. And and when I switched to low-carb, it was literally a matter of weeks, and it was flat stomach. And just, you know, the more I get into this, the more I see how amazing how it goes way deeper than just losing a few pounds or losing a little bit of fat. It's like it's this whole industry and, you know, actually saving people's lives to get them off the the mainstream diet.
2: You know, it's funny. uh, One of my good friends, uh, Jimmy Moore, has a huge website, you know, Living with Beautiful Low Carb, great guy.
0: Uh,
2: His website, now, he's he's a layperson. He's a layperson. He knows more about, you know, the biochemistry of nutrition than the vast majority of physicians out there. Oh, yeah. And his website, your website, you know, uh, is literally, you know, saving lives. This is not a joke, you know. This is not a joke. And so, for me, you know, life is a precious, precious gift. You can never get it back. You know, one death, a preventable death, you know, is, is just a terrible, terrible tragedy and again it's just how many lives would you save you know aunts uncles cousins nephews you know uh, loved ones spouses you know sons daughters how many lives would be saved if this was just the way we thought and understood
0: yeah it's really amazing when you think about that and the resistance out there is the hard part you know the facts are there but it's just getting people to believe it you know that fat is good for you and eating cholesterol doesn't cause high cholesterol and
2: I was going to say, too, you said, uh, you know, high cholesterol. The funny thing about total cholesterol, and it's amazing how deep the myths go, total cholesterol means nothing. Right. It means lowering total cholesterol has never been shown to lower one's risk of heart disease. Ask Gary Tobbs, author of Good Calories, Bad Calories. Yeah. Okay? I mean, he's, he's got the research. Oh, we can't listen to him, though. You know why? Because he's not a doctor. He's just an award-winning scientific journalist. Yeah. So we, don't, we, we shouldn't pay attention to him. What exactly, it you know. And it's just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, you know, total cholesterol means nothing. Lowering total cholesterol has never been shown a low interest for heart disease. What does your doctor tell you when you go into the uh, examining room and your total cholesterol is like 250? Oh, and your LDL is elevated. I'll talk about LDL uh, in a little bit. So low fat, low cholesterol, and I'll put you on a statin, like a Lipitor yeah. or a Crestor. Crestor is like you know really big now, you know. Right. And that's it. And I had a patient yesterday uh, who came in with 305 total cholesterol. Right? And I, I was yeah. kidding around with him. I go, oh, my God, your total cholesterol is 305. You need to be on a medication. Right? Yeah. Of course, he starts laughing at me because this guy's HDL is 76, which is driving up the total. You know, uh-huh. A little bit about total cholesterol, it's basically, not basically, it is the summation of the carrier molecules of cholesterol. When you add the HDL, the LDL, and something known as the DLDL, which represents the triglycerides in the blood together, you get your total cholesterol. The number, looking at it, has absolutely no use. It's like you asked me what the uh, score in the baseball game was. And I say 27. And you're, what, you're yeah. like, what, 20, 27? I'm like, yeah, that was the total. You're like, why yeah. not? Nah, well, why, break it up, man. I want to know who won, you know? Yeah. It's the same basic principle. Now, the LDL, the problem with the LDL is that it's basically a calculated value in most lipid panels, and it's known as a Friedewald equation. And I make a comment in my book that that show why you're smarter than a fifth grader, you know, uh, when it comes to simple math, most physicians aren't. Right. Because this free-roll equation, a bunch of subtractions, you've got a division, and it's calculating the LDL. The problem is when your HDL is elevated, which is what you want it to be, driving up the total, and your trig's are low, based upon this mathematical calculation, your LDL is going to be high. So when your numbers are doing good, your LDL is going to be elevated. Your total is going to be elevated. The problem is this is what most physicians are trained to look at, to make yeah. a determination whether or not you need a stat, scary stuff. When's it going to change? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know.
0: Now, along those lines, what kind of baseline blood test do you recommend for just people that want to know where they're at?
2: Great question. No, and, and let me just, I just thought of something I should say you know, for the listeners. Once you implement low-carbs, um, Good things are going to really start happening very quickly. But if you're on medicines like blood pressure medicines, if you're on uh, certain diabetic medicines like gliburide or medications in general, you, know, you need to be very, very careful implementing low carbs because what commonly happens, um, say you're on a blood pressure medicine, you do low carbs, you're no longer going to need that blood pressure medicine. Your pressure can drop and you will wake up in the ER and it's always an interesting scenario. You wake up in the ER after you passed out. I've seen it happen so many times to other patients, not mine, of course, because I watch them, and right. the doctors will be like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing that low-carb. Say, you're doing a low-carb thing. It's dangerous. You can't do low-carb. Yeah. Not understanding that they passed out because the low-carb diet was working, All right, <laughs> and they didn't need the medication. Think. you know, Think yeah. a little bit. Baseline blood tests, uh, for me, I'll order for my patients comprehensive metabolic panel. That's sodium, potassium, chloride, you know, something called a B-1 creatinine, you know, liver enzymes, things like that. I will do a CBC uh, with something known as a differential. Uh, I'll do a TSH, which is for the thyroid. I'll do vitamin D as in David levels. Uh, I'll do vitamin Mm B12 as in boy folic acid. Definitely I'll do a lipid panel. Um, Now, there's two types of lipid panels. There's a lipid panel where you have calculated values, and you have the lipid panel called the BAP. Uh, V as in Victor, A as in Apple, P as in pool. VAP test stands for Vertical Auto Profile, where everything's measured. Um, You don't really need that test, and I'll tell you why. Because with the basic lipid panel, you're going to get your HDL, which is what you want to know about. You're going to get your triglycerides, and it just so happens those are the only two things you need. You don't need to total. you don't need your, your LDL. Uh, we do know from uh, studies with the VAP that if your triglycerides are below 100, it changes usually the molecular subspecies of the LDL into a good cholesterol, a non plaque cholesterol, and mm. helps out the HDL. So when I look at my uh, numbers, I just with the HDL and the triglycerides, you know, I know pretty much biochemically what's going on within the cells. So lipid panel, I'll do a urinalysis, analysis, checking for protein, things like that, and that is pretty much my baseline. For some people, um, if they're overweight or if they're a type 2 diabetic, I'll sometimes order an insulin level, but generally I don't need to do that because it'll be elevated. But again, I just want to reemphasize: that if you're taking medicines like blood pressure medicines, or you know, certainly certain diabetic medicines, especially if you're on insulin, if you're an insulin requiring diabetic, you need to be very, very careful, and you need to find yourself a low carb doctor in your area. Unfortunately, there's a paucity of them; it's very hard to find. And thanks yeah. to Jimmy Moore, you go to lowcarbdoctors.com. He has like this site where you can maybe find a low carb doctor near you. You know,
0: and, oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that there was a directory.
2: Yeah, and thanks to Jimmy Moore again. And the sure. scary thing is when you go in New York, I mean, I'm one of three in New York State. All right, it's me, yeah. it's Richard Feynman out of Downstate, and we have uh, Dr. Richard K. Bernstein in Maranick, New York. He wrote the Dr. Bernstein's Diabetes Solution for, of course, Diabetics. And, you know, where are we? Where are the low-carb docs? And yeah. You know I pretty much become a pariah you know an outcast in my area because what I profess and I got to tell you this story because it's hysterical I got a phone call from my uh, uh, local hospital where I privileges at and they wanted me to speak at the bariatric lecture Now, bariatric medicine is basically medicine that deals with weight you know weight loss and all that And they usually do the lap bands and the gastric bypasses and things like that so I get this phone call they're like would you like to give a lecture on proper nutrition at our next seminar and I literally said I said really I'm like do, do you know what I'm gonna say I mean, because I'm going to get up there, Kevin, and I'm just going to bash the medical profession. Yeah, and there's maybe uh, I don't know, maybe 30 to 50 people. I'm not really sure how many people. They're a good-sized crowd. The dietitian. It was funny. I walk in the room. The dietitian runs up to me, and she's got like this fearless look in her face. She's like, D- "Do you want to go first? Because I think you're going to contradict everything I say." You know, and I'm not like that. I'm not looking to get confrontational with anybody. I'm just looking to educate. Right, that's what I'm looking to do. So I got up there, and this is what I say in my examining rooms. You know, I get up there, and of course it's a room you're filled with basically people who are overweight, you know, or, or morbidly obese, and, and I tell them there's two reasons why you're overweight. Number one, genetics. Number two, the medical profession. Yeah. And then I just go on to talk about a lot of the things that we spoke about. You know, I, I start off with the four big dietary myths. Um, we kind of touched on a little. Dietary myth number one, eating fat makes us fat. That's just plain wrong. You know, eating fat's not going to make us fat so long we're not overeating carbohydrates along with that fat. That's the fact, you know. Dietary myth number two, eating cholesterol-containing foods causes heart disease. Wrong. Eating cholesterol-containing foods does not cause heart disease. And as a matter of fact, eating more fat and cholesterol in your diet, and this includes saturated fat, lowers your risk for not only heart disease, but type 2 diabetes, obesity, and cancers as well. Yep. That, that's scary, you know? Dietary yep. tip number three, calories mean something in human nutrition. I get heat, no pun intended on that one, all the time. Yep. Calories mean something. Calories mean nothing. It's a quantitative heat chemist tool to determine how much heat's being given off when we burn something. We don't burn or combust. We digest. Yep. As a side note, a lot of my markedly overweight patients and I've got to mention his name, Greg, in particular, has lost 140-plus pounds doing low carbs. I mean, he looks fantastic. My point is that a lot of my once markedly overweight patients and obese patients have to increase their caloric intake before they see a significant weight loss. Yeah, Cal- isn't that interesting? It makes sense to me because, number one, calories are a red herring. You know, yeah. they're distracting us from what's really going on. And to get off the, the whole burning or get on the burning thing, you know, calories, we see that, whole reference to calories throughout nutrition we got to burn fat burn fat you're not burning anything you're utilizing triglyceride molecules that are deposited within an adipocyte you know the fat cell to create a substance called ATP adenosine triphosphate to fuel and and move and allow us to think and this is what allows us to be alive you're not burning anything, all right? But you hear everybody talk about that. The Another thing you hear about calories in, calories out, right? You know, mm-hmm. if you're taking 2,500 calories, you've got to burn 2,500 calories in order to maintain your weight. Or eat less, move more. Ain't yeah. going to work. Ain't right. going to work. Before I forget, you know, last dietary, this one I get a lot of uh, flack on, too. Um, you need to exercise in order to lose weight. Don't even think about dieting unless you can exercise. Well, I'm here to tell you that's absolutely false. I have literally taken tons of weight off people when they haven't increased their exercise. I'm not saying exercise is important, right? But I'm saying to be yeah. downright negligent to tell a patient who's 350, 400 pounds to go out there and, you know, run or jog or even walk. Right. Hit, 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 ankle, uh, chest pain, you know, heart, blood pressure. I, I mean, I could go on, I'm just plain negligent. I, my heart goes out to the people, what's the show? What's the biggest loser? Yeah, You know, where they're engaging in all the strenuous activity and working really hard. And yeah, they take off significant amounts of weight, sure. But when is a tragedy going to happen on that show? It's just a ticking time bomb. You know? What,
0: yeah, well, what, the guy, one of the winners a few years ago, I saw him speak here in San Diego. And uh, after the show, he gained some weight back. And he decided to enter the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. And part of it was to try to keep his weight down and to lose more weight. and. When he spoke, he was you're fairly heavy, and he said that uh, he'd been training for a couple months and hadn't lost a pound doing like 60, you know, 100-mile bike rides and uh, going on like 12, 13-mile runs and things like that, and, and he was still at the same weight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I hear that all the time, and we kind of go with the 80-20 principle. 80% of it is going to be nutrition, and then the last 20% is exercise, but the focus should be, you know, what you're consuming.
2: Absolutely. I totally agree. And you know why you're not seeing a, a weight loss in a lot of people who train at that level? It's because your body's in stress mode. And one of the hormones that's secreted in high quantities when we're stressed is cortisol from the adrenal glands. And the adrenal glands, of course, sit atop the kidneys. So this cortisol right. goes to the liver. It does a lot of things, a lot of things. But one of the things it does, it goes to the liver and it tells the liver to make more sugar. Oops. Because now it's as if you're eating carbs. Because yeah. sugar is sugar is sugar. The body it doesn't know it came from the liver, liver production. All right. And that's why a lot of people, you know, their weight loss is halted or stalled or they gain, you know, when they engage yeah. in these tremendous, you know, athletic feats and all. And it, it's just really scary stuff. And I don't really watch The Biggest Loser that much. Do you know if they watch calories? I mean, uh, I don't Thank know. You.
0: If- yeah, they do. Yeah. I think they have diaries and everything. It's, it's okay. really, uh, yeah, it comes down to calories and exercise. And and it's possible to do it that way. but. <laughs> You can, lose,
2: you can lose weight. I mean, you, I'm not saying that you can't lose weight with caloric restriction. What I'm saying is just very unhealthy. Right. And the yeah. problem is that you're not giving the body what it needs. You're not, oh, by the way, you know, when it comes to, like, strenuous exercise, uh, exercise in general, um, we burn out our glycogen stores, you know, stored in the muscle and liver, very quickly, 15, 20 minutes, boom, done, gone. What do you right, think right. allows you to sustain the activity? Um, free fatty acids. And the body prefers the use of free fatty acids for fuel. It prefers to use free fatty acids for fuel. So once those 15, 20 minutes are up, you know, if you don't have, you know, access to that somewhere in the body, and, you know, some people, uh, such as Dr. Mary Enig, she wrote Know um, You're Fat, uh, right. a phenomenal book. She claims we're too thin. I mean, now some of us need to be a little heavier. Yeah. You know? and sure. the, the whole, uh, you know, exercise thing. And that's why you don't see it. So, and sometimes you'll have uh, people gain weight. I want to say something before I forget, though, because this is, this is fascinating. And I learned this from Dr. Enoch, her book, Know Your Fats. She comes across and she goes, the more you know. Uh, and by reading her book, I kind of get the sense that she's a low-carber, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, she's a, a fat biochemist is what she is. Right. She's going through the percentages of saturated fat in food. Now, I love doing this to doctors, like if I'm lucky enough to give a lecture, because they generally don't invite me back when I give a lecture. But anyway, because yeah. I'm going against their beliefs, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, as yeah. a side note, I'll be giving a lecture on proper foundational nutritional biochemistry. Doctors will leave the room. You can see the temples flare, and they'll sit there and start yelling at me, telling me I'm crazy to tell patients. And I just look at them, and I'm like, why, why are you getting emotional, you know? Yeah. And at this point, point, by the way, a little advice from your friendly family doctor. When someone's yelling at you, don't laugh at them because it just makes them more irate. And I find it comical that so much emotion is involved. And then I sat back and I'm like, you know what? It makes perfect sense because belief systems are so ingrained in us that we want to defend them tooth and nail. And I don't want to get in any discussions about politics or religion, but those are two big faith systems that people will argue, kill for. (laughs)
0: Right. This is funny because we, we talk about this on our show. We say that there's you know if, if you want to create an inflammatory discussion, it's like politics, religion. And the third one is nutrition. It's like right? it's unquestionable.
2: It's like, really? I mean, okay, like glucose, glycolysis, acetyl-CoA, cholesterol. I mean, really? I mean, it's right in the books, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, please. But I get sidetracked a lot, you know, uh, in my book. I, I always have these side notes because my brain is like very, you know, gets all over the place. Okay, so this fascinated me when I saw this because you ask most doctors uh, this following question, and I'll get it wrong, um, red meat, fat, mostly right. saturated, unsaturated. All right, don't answer the questions It's rhetorical. I don't want to put you on the spot.
0: Yeah. All right, because
2: uh, yeah. right, right, I got this wrong when I first read it. The fat in red meat, all right, is 55% unsaturated. It's mostly unsaturated. It gets better.
1: Well, that was a pretty interesting set of statistics, and I cut it off in midstream there because we reached the half an hour mark actually beyond that. So next week we'll pick up where we left off there with Dr. James Carlson talking about the nature of saturated fat in various types of meats. Not exactly what you'd expect the numbers to be, right? So if you like this podcast, you can visit iTunes and give us a rating and review there. Much appreciated and thank you for those who have done that in the past. It helps get us up in the rankings and get this message out to more and more people. And, of course, to get on your own track to health and fitness and weight loss, you can just visit freefitnessaudio.com and put in your name and email address, and we'll get you that bonus audio talking about the three pillars for achieving your perfect weight using the mind-body connection, which is the basis of our show, podcast, and blog, as well as book. So hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next week with part two of this interview with Dr. James Carlson. Take care. Have a good week.